every ounce of training you put in leading up to this fight will be a waste of your life. Hello everyone and welcome to The Knockout, Leicester's number one MMA podcast and the only part of Joe Rogan you'll actually tell your friends you listen to. Alright, welcome back everyone. Uh, it's been a, well for you guys it hasn't been very long but for me it's been it's been quite a while. And uh, today we're going to be uh, doing a very talked about topic within the combat sports community. In fact, probably the most talked about topic and that is who is the greatest of all time. Now, uh, a bit of reference, I guess, some kind of pre-warnings. Um, I am a fan of MMA, however, I'm not, like... My promotions are very limited in terms of in terms of what I know about. So, obviously, UFC, I think I'm pretty well-equipped at. Pride, I give a go. I know some pride. Uh, Strike Force is very limited. Uh, Bellator, as much as I know about... I mean, I, I'm about as knowledgeable as Bellator as Dylan Dance is on how to show up to a fight. Uh, beyond that, like, beyond the sort of major four, I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, cage warriors, I could probably take a grab at, but beyond that, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, screwed. So, if you, if your greatest of all time fighter is in a random league that, it, that I haven't heard of, uh, I apologise, but I probably won't mention them. Uh, for, for context as well, uh, you guys are not, you might hear it in the back, but it is ridiculously early in the morning. So I am drinking my cheap and shitty coffee, um, which really helps me get in the mood for this. But anyway, uh, enough sort of pissing about. Let's get right into it. So today we're going to be discussing who is the greatest of all time in MMA. Now, a few things before we start. So when we talk about greatest of all time, uh, I think we all have our idea of, of which sort of few fighters we think of that. And I think... I think now more than ever that that word gets thrown around quite a lot. I think a lot of fighters get given that 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 um, title uh, a little early. Um, you know, some guys. I think it's kind of seen uh, like you know, for example, even for recent examples, I think a lot of people give or are, are probably sort of considering this point of of, of putting guys like Islam Makhachev um, in kind of contention where it's still a little too early for that. Um, obviously, he is... I'm going to mention him in my list because I think, um, I think you know, if he goes in the way he's going, there is a chance. But I think that people thought it was a little too lightly. Um, a lot of people give that word to fighters who may, yes, be in contention, but I think are too too much of a grey area to, to really kind of define that. Um, but that's just my, my weird... My weird, bitchy opinion. Uh, so, a few things, a few sort of things we, we want to get clear before we start. Um, what are our sort of qualifications almost for the people on this list? Uh, so, the things I want to go with, uh, they have to. I say error a lot, goddamn. <laughs> so, the qualifications, they have to have at least won one belt or have a win of a tournament. So with guys in like Pride and early UFC stuff, there wasn't really belts. It was a tournament system in case you didn't know. But basically you would fight like three guys on a night and you would essentially go through, you know, your regular tournament. And if you won, you won like a big check or whatever. 
So I think to stop sort of losing guys earlier in the scene, like in the 90s, early 2000s, I think it's important to have that little caveat. Uh, more than that, I think less than five losses. I think even if we, I think that kind of helps signify how great they were that, you know, obviously some of the greats have lost. Um, guys like Anderson Silva, kind of spoiled my list already. GSP, John Jones technically, but he didn't really lose that fight at all. Uh, but you know you don't, you can't really be like, oh, they have to be undefeated because especially in May more than boxing, and in boxing MMA, um, boxing uh, there are like undefeated records left, right, and center. A lot of guys pad their records to get undefeated status, and I think MMA, or well, I know MMA is uh, a lot less of that. You know, you have odd guys who do get these amazing undefeated streaks, but the majority of guys will have a loss or two on their record. And I think that makes the sport more exciting personally. I think it helps you buy into it. And I think losing is just as important as winning. And some fighters have come back better from losses. Some fighters haven't. You know, it's part of the game. Uh, so I think the cap is about five losses for me. I think that, that five losses and under... It's enough where it's like, oh, maybe they fought past their prime. Maybe they were kind of a little bit shaky. But it's not, you know, it's not, doesn't define them a little bit. You know, you can still have that greatness without that that end point. Uh, of course, I might lean either way on that, that, that rule, um, depending on the fighter. But for now, I kind of want to keep it pretty, pretty sat there. It also leads into my next sort of qualification with the dominance of the fighter, I think, that as part of the the low loss, the low number of losses, uh, being dominant in your fights, having a lot of finishes, or even having a lot of unanimous decisions, being dominant, and when you win, you win quite clearly, which I think helps negate if the losses are pretty bad losses, like if it's a knockout or a sub or you know something like that. Furthermore, the important part more in this current era of UFC and MMA more than earlier stuff, but pay per view money. I think a lot of the greater fighters, you know, they generate money. That's what they're supposed to do. And I think that is something that maybe isn't as important and probably the least important on my list of qualifications, but I think it is something to take into consideration. Um, for better or for worse, some of the greats do sell, some of the greats don't sell. Uh, I think that's just a, not even a, it's not necessarily impactful on the, the grading, but I just think it's something important to know and so we can talk about. Uh, and... Last couple bits, so who they beat is obviously important. You know, it, you can't really be the greatest if you beat a bunch of nobodies. Uh, I think it is part of the the path almost to being the greatest is you have to beat fellow greats. You have to prove, you have to get tested over and over and over again. And I think that is a really important part to defining who the greatest is. And finally, what makes them special? What is it about them that made them stand out among the rest? Was it their extreme efficiency in one particular part of the game? One particular part of, of the fight that made them just... As soon as you got them... As soon as they got to the ground or they kept it on the feet, they were just unstoppable. Was it their jiu-jitsu? Was it their boxing? Did they have heavy hands? Did they have incredible accuracy? What, what made them... What made them so dominant and so level... And just levels above everyone else? Uh, a little thing I also want to add before we kind of dive into this, um, I think because I have quite a long list of greats, I want to sort of break it up a little bit. I think rather than just 
picking one great or throwing a bunch of guys from from everywhere. I think it is more fun to kind of grade the greatest per era or per decade uh, of the sport. Now I'm going to start kind of early nineties with you know early UFC cards and early Pride, and then kind of build up to more modern days and maybe predict some future greats. Now, in terms of a system, I think we just give them out of five, out of five stars of, of, of based on our qualifications and how we give them. So I've got about two or three picks for each decade, so we can get a little bit more in depth. So I think that about covers the start of this, so uh, just a quick run through, just in case you know you miss anything. So to define as the GOAT, you need at least one belt or tournament win, less than five losses on your record, not including draws or no contests. You have to have been a dominant fighter and have either a lot of finishes or a lot of unanimous decisions that were clearly unanimous decisions. Who have you beaten? Was it, you know, a bunch of nobodies? Was it these fellow greats? Did you beat someone on your level, someone who's considered to be the greatest, and you beat them easily or at all, really? What makes them special? What is it that makes them stand out among the rest? What makes them in that spot, uh, brought into that conversation a little bit? What makes them the the hero <laughs> to all these people? And finally, how is their pay-per-view money? Uh, did their ability in the ring bring in people was that a factor in it did you know guys like conor mcgregor maybe you don't think he's the greatest but he is the highest earning mma fighter of all time does that change anything for you and uh to quickly re-up the scoring system every fight i'm about to list uh from the from the 90s up until modern day i'm going to get a, a rating out of five stars and at the end, we'll kind of see per decade and overall who is rated as, as, as the knockout's official greatest of all time fighter. So, yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in. So we're going to start with the 90s. And we're going to start with the sort of early 90s, you know, uh, UFC 1, UFC 2, early Pride cards. And uh, a fun interesting fact, uh, this year on November 15th will be the, oh God, uh, 10, 20, 30, I think 30, 30th anniversary? Yep, 30th anniversary of UFC 1, uh, 1993. That is a ridiculously long time for a promotion to have not fallen, which is nice. Good good for the UFC. Um, yeah, so to start actually right back at UFC 1, let's uh, start with... Hoist Gracie. Now, Hoist uh, won UFC 1 and 2 back-to-back when those cards were essentially just big tournaments where you would, you know, fight guys until you ended up being the best. And Hoist also did a lot of work, I think intentionally and unintentionally, to kind of create the idea that Jiu-Jitsu is the the core to MMA, it is the base foundation a little bit, you know, a lot of guys now uh, will use jiu-jitsu as essentially like a a must-avoid thing in camps where, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, the guys who were really great jiu-jitsu fighters were just dominant because it was such a unique, and it was such a, it was such a 
easily a playable martial art that guys would just use it like hoist and would just run through people with it whereas obviously you know the development now as jiu-jitsu has become bigger and bigger is most guys use jiu-jitsu as like okay how do we stop jiu-jitsu from working i think it's a really interesting way to, to do that and with hoist especially well, I'm not too familiar on his record or who he beat. Obviously, I know he beat Ken Shamrock. Um, he'd beaten, you know, a couple other guys in the first UFCs whose names I really don't remember. As painful it is for me to admit. But I think with Hoist, I think the fact that he alone, I mean, obviously with his family who ran the UFC, but but him as the fighter, kind of defined what mixed martial arts is and what you he defined what became the best part of mma he was the guy who made it so that there was kind of not a one-trick pony but there was that 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 central uh, art that everyone knew a little bit that he made everyone almost by being so dominant he made everyone learn jiu-jitsu a little bit to have them actually have a chance against him and i think that alone uh gives him a spot in contention just because you know that alone like he's he's a pioneer and pioneers tend to you know you deserve a little bit of credit so let's run him through the list a little bit shall we um you start with at least one belt tournament well he won the first two ufc tournaments so he's cleared that Less than five losses. Let's quickly uh, run through his record. Uh, his record. His record. Um, if you just bear with me a moment, while well, I definitely don't Google it on my phone, because I know everything off by hand, and I definitely do research for this show. And I definitely don't just record it off the cuff. Okay, so his record is fifteen wins and two losses. So already he's past the the under five. The under five, oh god, that's under the under five losses. Now, in terms of he's beaten, uh, beat Art, Art Jimison, Ken Shamrock, Jared Gordeau, I cannot say that name, Jason DeLucia, DeLucia, Patrick Smith, uh, Kimo Leopoldo, beat Dan Severin, drawed Ken Shamrock in the rematch, beat Nabuki, Nabuki Tadaka. Takada, there we go. Um, then he had you know, a couple of losses, lost to Matt Hughes. So I think, in terms of who he's beaten, there's a couple couple names there that I think stand out. Um, I don't think it's as impressive as a resume of, of later guys, but I think also in that point in the scene, there wasn't the level of guy that is there now. You know, the, it, the MMA wasn't as big and wasn't as open as it is now but I still think within that time period that's a pretty decent record of guys like Dan Severin he's one of my favorite fighters um because he's just a lumberjack of a man who's crazy uh Ken Shamrock obviously you know was predominant in himself himself uh during that period so it's it's cool that Hoyce has beaten him well he beat him once and drew him the second time um in terms of dominance you know, he's got, what, one, two, three, about three knockouts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Jesus, eight, nine, 
about nine subs and then the rest are all UDs or draws. So, um, oh wait, no, I've mistaken myself. His losses are all knockouts. He's got, he's still got, so I've completely screwed it already. So, in terms of his finishes, he got 10 submissions, which is, is pretty great, right? Like, that's, that's a pretty solid, as a jiu-jitsu guy, that's, that's great. In the dominance, all his fights, were, his, his wins were finished in the first round. I mean, his first, what, his first 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. First, like, 10, 11 fights were all by submission in the first round, which I think is crazy. Right, he was beating them in, in, in under the five minutes. Um, well, there is this weird one. The Dan Severin one. Which I've just noticed this on the thing. There's no time limit to it. So... The earlier fights, he beat them with you know five minutes. You know, the, the standard them many times, but just as a little side note, the Dan Severin fight is a first round victory. However, the time listed is fifteen minutes and fifty seconds. Now I, I've heard about um, no time limits within MMA, and and I know a lot of jujitsu guys, jujitsu fights um, have a zero time limit, and they can go on for like hours and hours and hours and that is crazy that is crazy 15 minutes for a first round is insane anyway so that's our questions for Hoyce <laughs> um so to run through yet yeah, he's he's won the belt or he's, he's won two tournaments at least has two losses so less than five losses uh dominant yes his first 11 fights are all submission wins within the first round so I think pretty dominant uh, pay-per-view money. I think during that time he was probably a big draw. Um, I think you know that's kind of maybe glossed that one over a little bit. Uh, who he beat? He's beaten a few decent guys. Um, you know Dan Severin being the main one that sticks out to me. Uh, Nabuti Takada. I, I swear I've heard before, so I'll give him that one. Even though I'm not quite sure who he is, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I recall him. Uh, God, making myself not look as as. I make myself look like a casual, and um, I swear I'm not. <laughs> it's just the, the fact that I am absolutely half asleep recalling this. So, yeah, and what makes him special, uh, I think, is the main one. And that's that's pretty easy to answer. It's the jiu-jitsu. It's like that he was... The, he's, he's, he's the... What, the... The the main guy from Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. His fucking... His name's on the goddamn school. He is the first major jiu-jitsu specialist within the MMA and, and certainly within the UFC and he was crazy good especially during that time he yeah no one had seen someone like that um he kind of felt like kind of felt like the practical Bruce Lee a little bit where it was like his his fighting style was was really great and it was exciting but it was very like technical and it wasn't as flashy as like movie martial arts because he would just kind of Wrestle on the ground. Well, wrestle. He would he would take you to the ground and then make your life hell. <laughs> so yeah. So for for Hoist, I think we give him a solid three point five, three point five stars. You know, quite basic. You know, put put him on there. You know, keep him nice and uh, normal. You know, you don't want to give him too high of a score, but but I think three point five is pretty respectful to one of the earliest. Now, a little shift here from UFC to Pride. Uh, and I went to our next fighter is a guy who the UFC could never actually sign, not without lack of trying. And that is, of course, the Russian machine, 
That's not his real nickname, but I'm going to call him that. Fedor Emelianenko. Now, if you're a um, Pride fan, you probably know his name. Uh, and Fedor is essentially one of the scariest heavyweights who has ever lived. That guy is terrifying. He was uh, in Pride for the longest time and is seen as one of the most dominant fighters ever. Uh, so let's have a, a quick run through of of the stats, I guess. Uh, so in terms of belts, I'm pretty sure he won the Pride Grand Prix at least a couple times. So Pride Grand Prix, again, definitely not typing it up. Don't question me. Um, tournament wins. Let's just see how many he won. Let's, let's run it through him. Okay, so... For title holders, okay, okay, okay. Do, do, do. So, prior to fighting championship, started in October eleventh, nineteen ninety-seven. So about five years, oh, four years, almost, almost screwed that. About four years after the UFC started, um, ironically, by uh, Nobuhito, Nobu, Nobuhiko Takada, Takada, God, Nobuhio, Nob ah, this is gonna happen again. Nobuhito, Nakada, nope. Screw that again. Nabuhiko. Nabuhiko. Takada. There we go. Uh, who, as I mentioned before, was beaten by Horse Gracie in a fight. So that's interesting and, and a fun little thing. And that's definitely where he his name from. Now, prior to stage more than 60 events and drew some of the biggest crowds in MMA history while serving as a, a uh, testing ground almost for a lot of future MMA stars, guys like Vandalay Silva, Quinton Jackson, Dan Henderson, all kind of took their start in Pride. Now, Fedor was probably the biggest name from Pride, uh, which is ironic because he was never actually in the UFC. Uh, and Pride actually was bought out by the UFC in 2007, which is why the Fedor story um, is so interesting. So, uh, basically in 2007, the UFC bought out Pride, um, who were their main competitors in the 90s and 2000s. And with that, they took a lot of the, the Pride contracts. Now, Fedor's contract, if I remember correctly, was either running out or out. And they kind of kept trying to offer him stuff. But he was sort of didn't give a fuck. <laughs> and wasn't really interested in joining the UFC. And so it just kind of never happened. Also, a fun fact about Pride, which had the tournament style similar to the UFC. However, the difference with that was the UFC implemented weight classes uh, later on, obviously, with the first couple. There was no weight classes, they had a sumo wrestler fight kickbox in the first ever fight. So, with Pride it was all open weight, which uh, adds this kind of element of like, you know, interest. Because it's like, you know, you can have a £300 bob sap versus a £15 child. And that could happen in Pride, and I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen in Pride. Pride is strange. So, in terms of divisional champions, okay, so... Fedor Emelianenko was the heavyweight champion, so that's your belt covered. He actually won the belt in 2003, and never actually lost it, although he only had three title defences, um, with a record of 36 wins and five losses. So right there, we're looking at some interesting stuff, okay? We're already getting a couple answers to what we wanted from our, our criteria, so... Let's have a quick look if he won any of the tournaments. Now, whereas there he is, Fedor Emelianenko. So Fedor actually won the 2004 Heavyweight Grand Prix. So he won 
um, the year after he got the belt. So I think that's a pretty good start, right? So he won the tournament and he won a belt. So that really answers our first criteria. In terms of his record, let's have a quick run. Now, I mentioned, of course, he won 30, 35, 36 fights. There you go. 36 fights to five losses. So, you know, he ran the money on, on loss numbers. Uh, and, of course, 36. Pretty good. Probably the highest of this list, I'd assume. Now, in terms of who he's beaten... That's what we're going to go find out. Okay. Okay, now. Um, there we go. We'll get there eventually. Bear with us a minute. Oh, this is going to be ridiculous, isn't it? Okay, so we're going to try and find his... Who he's beaten to, to his with a... Uh, yeah, this is Google being a, a dick. Okay. So, looking at Fedor... I don't think he's is he actually retired yet. I'm not sure if it is actually retired. Because he's fought as recently as... Oh my god, Google, you went right there. Okay, so... Fedor's last fight was October 23rd, 2021. So this guy is still active, which is crazy, right? Like, that's an insane career. Okay, so in terms of his winnings... Okay, here we go. Let's go, let's go straight to Pride. So he's fought in a number of promotions. He's fought in Pride FC. Moved to Bellator. Has fought in Strikeforce, I believe. And I don't know what that is. Okay, so pulling up his record. <clears throat> let's get started, shall we? So, uh, of course, you mentioned the belt. Less than five losses now. And his dominance is where it's interesting. So there's dominance. Now, there are many stories of Fedor just running through guides. Uh, he's known as the Last Emperor. He's beaten some of the best guys in Japan. He's beaten guys like Gary Goodridge, who now I feel like isn't as good. <laughs> he's beat Mark Coleman. He's beaten uh, Mark Hunt. He's beaten Tim Sylvia. He's beaten Frank Mir, Charles Sonnenquid, and Jackson, Tim Johnson. And the list kind of goes on. You know, we, can, we can go forever on this. Um, there are a bunch of wins he has, right? Uh, this is five losses. If I can find them. There we go. So he's, you know, you know, his first loss came only four fights in. And it was to a cut. So he didn't really lose. He just got a really bad cut. You know, that's, that's a, a fair way to lose. And uh, he gets a lot of council bounce as well, apparently. But he's lost to guys like Dan Henderson's beating him. Um, Ryan Bader's beat him. There's, there's, he's not unbeatable. Um, but I think, especially during his prime in the 90s, he was pretty well feared. Um, so I think in terms of dominance, I think especially early Fedor, prime Fedor, which if we're giving prime Hoist credit, I think we give prime Fedor. I think if you put him in, in right now, if you took Prime Fedor and put him in the, the heavyweight division now, I think he'd perform to the level of like a Daniel Cormier or maybe, you know, I think he would do pretty well. Um, I think he'd get beaten by guys like, obviously he'd get beaten by John Jones when he eventually comes to heavyweight. And I think Francis would make a decent shot at him. But I think, as it stands, Fedor 
Prior Fadal would still be a threat today. Um, and I think just for the fact that he's got so many wins, and the fact that Prime Fadal was the the great fear of of Pride in the nineties, I think we do give him give him that title of greatest. Um, at least we put him in contention. Now running through the rest of the criteria, paid few money. He was probably Pride's main draw during that period, so that's covered. That who he beat, he's beaten a few names, but no one kind of. You know, Charles Sutton's a pretty big name. Dan Henderson fought, but obviously lost to. Uh, Mark Hunt's pretty big. I mean, maybe not so much anymore, but was pretty big. Um, so I think we give him meh, a fair shot. I don't think it's as notable as Hoyce, but I still think it's, it's a pretty solid list. Um, now, what makes him special? Well, from my knowledge of Fredor, he was ridiculously good at knocking people out. A true knockout artist, really. During a time where it was all about technique, he was really just a guy who would just run through you. Uh, I think that's part of the appeal. I think it's a similar appeal to a lot of fighters, um, especially as we get further into the, the future with these decades. I think he is uh, a starting point for that, of guys who were just known to just knock your goddamn head off. Uh, so, so given all that information, I think we give him a solid three stars. Don't think it's as big as Hoist, just because of the names and you know Hoist was the the main promoter almost of jiu-jitsu as an art whereas Fado didn't really have as much of an impact stylistically however I think alone for just the dominance he had and for the, the fact that Fado's always going to be remembered as as this insane Russian who scared the hell out of guys I think that alone gives him gives him the three stars um you might think it's a little low and feel free to tell me uh you know on Instagram at the knockout fm I'm more than open to hearing other opinions. I love discussions about MMA. It's brilliant. Moving on next. Our third guy from the 90s is Mikko Krokop. Again, uh, primarily in Pride. Now this guy is frightening, to say the least. Uh, so Mikko was uh, a, a leader. If I'm correct, he was a leader of an anti-terrorist group in Croatia. Uh, which is... Fucking insane. And if you see the dude, you would not be surprised. He is huge and he is frightening. So, probably Mako's biggest claim to fame, I guess, at least with, with current MMA fans, is now, this was brought up on Joe Rogan, so if you watch Joe Rogan, you'll know this. Um, he was part of probably the greatest stare-down to ever exist, which is the stare-down between Vandalay Silva and Mako Krokop. Where, basically, Vandalay Silva tries to stare him down and looks into the eyes of a insane man who has killed many a people. And I think that is uh, frightening. Now, running through Mirko, through our, our little stats, let's have a little, little, little googs, shall we? Um, let's just look at a Mirko Krokop. Where is he? Okay, so, Mirko... Let's get a sip of coffee while we're doing this. Uh. Oh, that's gross. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, it gets worse. Ooh. Ooh. Fuck. Alright, so I just spilled coffee everywhere. That's nice. Shit. That's gonna stain. Alright. Okay. Make a cool crap. So, did he ever win a battle? Okay. Got it. So, make a crow cop. 
is the 2006 Pride Openweight Grand Prix Champion, as well as the 2012 K1 World Grand Prix Champion and the 2016 Risen Openweight Grand Prix Champion. So that is great, right? He's, he's won three of them. And he's actually only the second fighter in the world to win mixed martial arts and kickboxing champions and tournaments. He's also a former IGF champion. Okay. Already, I think that passes that with flying colours, right? He's won multiple tournaments as well as a title. Now, going over his record, I'm going to specify MMA because I'm worried it might just give me his actual body count as a murderer. Okay, Mirko's record. Ooh, here's an issue. Is that his, is that his name? Why does his name change? Oh my good lord. So, Mirko, okay, no, he's got more, okay, his name's Mirko Krokop Flipikov. So, the guy's record. Let's have a, a pop, shall we? So, his record stands currently at 35 wins and 11 losses, with two draws and one no contest. Now, that's an impressive number of wins. In fact, only one less than Fedor. Now, with the five losses rule, I'm a little bit, you know, because he has more than doubled that. Now, I think, depending on his dominance, might be able to, to sway that, that judging. So let's have a look at who he beat and how dominant he beat them. So let's start right at the beginning. So, let's find some notable names he's beaten. Oh, wow, he uh, drawed to Nobuhiko Takada, the same guy who was lost to Hoist Gracie, so that's already interesting. Drew with Vandalay Silver, of course, from that stare-down fight. Uh, and he's in a draw. He's also beaten... He's Herring. Uh, he's fought with Ron Waterman. Uh, how's he fought him? Beat Josh Barnett. Beat Alexander Emelianenko. Beat Mark Coleman. In fact, lost to Fedor Emelianenko. Interesting fact. So he actually fought some greats. I think that actually adds a little notch to Fedor rather than Mirko. So we'll keep that in mind. Uh, beat Van der Silva in a rematch. Lost uh, no, no contest with Alistair Overeem. Uh, lost to Gene Dos Santos. Beat Matt Perry. Lost to Frank Mir. Lost to Brendan Sharp. This can't be the right one. Nah, this can't be Mirko Croker. He lost to Brendan. Nah, fuck off. There, there's no fucking. There's no. Oh my god. No way. No fucking way. Really? Nah, I don't believe that for a second. Let's let's verify that real quick. There's no way Mirko Krokop lost to Brendan Sharp. Brendan Sharp. Nah. I don't believe this for a fucking second. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. No fucking way. No fucking way. There is there is no way Brendan Sharp knocked out Mirko. Right, let's let's watch this video, shall we? I'll add the audio in. For you guys to hear, so uh, just bear with us a second. Oh my god, there's no being. Come on, give me the, give me the fucking. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. Just gonna pull it up real quick. Yeah, also Jack enter enter the video of, of Mika Crocop versus Brendan Sharp because I'm not talking over this right now. Um, give it a real quick, mate. Brendan. Sharp versus Mirko Krokop. Oh my god. Okay, this cannot be real. This cannot be real. Oh my fucking god. 
No fucking way. No fucking way. Oh my god. Okay, so I think that alone... Uh, yeah, Mirko Crocop's off my list. Nah, you're getting a... Sorry, Mirko, you're getting a fucking one, mate. Oh my god, he lost to Brendan... Brendan Sharp, the guy who was told he had to quit fighting by Joe Rogan. Ridiculous behaviour. Right, Mirko's getting a one. I don't care anymore. That's enraged me deeply. Deeply enraged me. I'm fuming now, mate. I'm, I'm raging. Okay. Let's move along, shall we, before I get upset about Brandon Sharp. Again. <clears throat> so, moving on to the 2000s. Um, this kind of runs 2000s and 2010. Uh, I think these, both my picks for this, are guys who started in this time period and then kind of, like, kind of built... Uh, over time, and I think both guys had bigger runs in later years, um, sort of early 2010s, but I think, for me at least, the guys I have the 2010s are more prevalent at that time, so I've kind of shoved these guys in the end of that. Um, here's the, just just quick check if there's any guys I missed off the list. I'll pause it for a second, Jack. So in fact, turns out my list is a lot longer for 2000s than I remembered. Um, so we're going to kind of keep this a little briefer because there is about, oh god, six guys on this list and we are already nearly 40 minutes into this recording. So let's start off with probably, I think, a lot of people's picks for the greatest, or at least one of the greatest of all time, is Anderson the Spider Silver. Now, Anderson, you know, we all know Anderson, he has the, he has the big... The longest winning streak in, in UFC history. He's his dominance is, is almost unmatched by one man who I will mention a little later. Uh, so let's have a look at Anderson. You know, uh, so let's talk about his record to begin with. I think more than anything. Uh, let's get let's get a Anderson stuff going on. Pretty sure he won the title. I'm I'm almost certainly won the title. Yeah, what he had the fuck? Didn't he have the? So I'm now looking at it. Yeah. No, I know for a fact. Anderson Silva has the most amount of title defense in UFC history. I know that because I remembered that fact. I definitely, definitely know that fact. So yes, so Anderson's not only got the belt or had the belt. He actually has the record for the longest uh, number of defenses. That made no sense, but the point is. Anderson has a has a fucking record next to his name in terms of his titles, so already I think that's a great start. Following on from that, his record stands at four, 34 and 11. So again, I think I might have to bend the rule depending on his dominance. I think I could bend the five losses. So let's have a look at who he beat and how dominant he beat them. So let's look at some good... Now these are bigger names, more names that may be more accessible to me and, and you. So we've got guys like, you know, Jeremy Horn, uh, Curtis Stout, be Chris Liebman, be Rich Franklin, twice, Dan Henderson, James Irvin, Patrick Cope, Forrest Griffin, one of my favourite knockouts because it is fucking funny, Damian Meyer, Chael Sonnen, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen again, Stephen Bonner, and, you know, no contest with Nick Diaz, which is me, Derek Brunson, He's beaten a lot of really solid guys. I think that, and you know, he beat them dominant. I mean, you guys have all seen his insane winning streak. His knockouts over Forrest Griffin. His knockout of Patrick Coat. His knockout of, uh, you know, Rich Franklin. 
submission of Dan Henderson. You know, it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff. And yes, he lost. But I think he also lost to some really top competitors too. You look at his losses. Lost to Chris Weidman. Lost to Michael Bisping. Lost to Derek Brunson. Lost to Daniel Cormier. Lost to Jared Kalania. Lost to Uriah Hall. These are all... Even his losses are two big names. Two guys who are also really great. Two guys like, you know, Michael Bisping. Really great guy. Go, go for with one eye for God knows how long. Daniel Cormier, one of my personal favorite, if not my personal favorite fighter. Even in loss, Anderson Silva has only fought the best guys. Has fought really solid guys. And, is you know, when he was winning, he was unstoppable. And even when he lost, you know, he was older. He had his PED scandal. Even when he was older and losing, he still lost to top-tier guys. I think that helps signify the fact that I still think Anderson, while he has higher losses than I specified, I still think he qualifies for that, that status. And, you know, he would beat... Great guys, I think that will is who he fought alone is enough to prove that, you know, the guy was the real deal. Now, what makes Anderson special? Well, Anderson is, at least in his prime, and I think still now, even, you know, when you look at the Jake Paul fight, I mean, I know it's sore. He's, he's still fucking, he's still, he's still kicking about in his late 40s and still looking better than some guys in their 20s and 30s look. He's never... He's, he's built for this. He is built for this. I think with Anderson specifically, there's just... There's something about him. He's so charismatic. He's so incredible. The way he dodges stuff, the way he used to taunt his opponents and just fuck with them and still knock their lights out or choke them out. It is incredible. I just... I can't gush about him enough, really. And for Anderson, I think I think we give him a four. I think we give him a four right now. That's what Stanis. Anderson gets you know what fuck yeah, Anderson gets a four point five star. Damn near perfect. Brilliant. And the only thing that really holds him back is his numbers of losses. The fact that he kind of went too long, I think. He started just losing and losing. And when he did lose to really good guys, I think he's kind of he can't give up. I think that's that's in a sense where he can't he can't he doesn't know when to say no. He doesn't know when to stop fighting. I think that's an issue for Silver. I think for that reason he gets knocked off the half point. Apart from that, great guy. Love him forever. Next up another of the greats. GSP. George Saint Pierre now beloved movie actor. George Saint Pierre. So let's let's run through the category, shall we? So let's start with belts, of course. When the lightweight belt, I believe. Yeah, he was the lightweight champion for a while. Uh, and I believe, remember correctly, he had nine title defenses, just one short of Silver's ten. Uh, well, he was, I'm pretty sure he was a lightweight champion. Let's have a double check. No, welterweight champion. That's where it fucked up. Welterweight champion. Uh, and he's the welterweight champion for nine straight title defenses, which is great. Now, in guys he beat, we're going to skip ahead a little bit, I think, more than records. So with his record, he stands at 26 wins and 2 losses. So already he's got the under 5, which clears him. 26 wins is, is pretty solid. Now, let's look at the guys he beat. And his list is, it, it's impressive. It's it's very impressive, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, you guys got John Fitch, BJ Penn, Tiago Alvarez, Dan Hardy, Josh Koscheck. Jack's Jake C. Shields, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, Johnny Hendricks. There's a really 
solid list here of guys he's beaten. You know, I think George St. Pierre is considered one of the greatest. I think a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves because of the fact he left, uh, because of the fact he, you know, he didn't take a lot of super fights. He's, you know, but, you know, it's what it is, right? He had a crazy amount of wins. You can't knock that guy's name. He really did. He, he got it done. Uh, so let's look at some more of his, his, his wins. It was 26 wins. So he's got a really lot of notable names. I think during that time, especially with the worldweight division, it was it was on fire. And that really helped, I think, to cement his, his greatness among the very competitive division. So let's look at the guys he's been in. Now, as we mentioned a few, but let's also mention he lost to, his only two losses were to Matt Hughes and Matt Serra. Matt Serra himself, pretty solid, won the belt. You know, uh, Matt Hughes also one of the greatest at that time. Granted, he's not on my list, but is he on my list? He is on my list, in fact, I, I am mistaken. So, you know, fellow great. He's beating guys like Sean Shrek, was BJ Penn mentioned, Matt Hughes mentioned, but I had to beat Matt Hughes twice. Uh, also, uh, his last fight, he beat Michael Bisping. Again, another another great guy on there. Also, a guy who beat Anderson Silva, George beat, so take that with what you will. I think George, in terms of dominance, he's crazy good. He's always been dominant, you know, two losses, and he had those nine defences. I think he's, he's pretty clear he was solidly dominant. Pay-per-view money, I think he struggled a little bit from time to time, but I think for the general part, he was he was he he held his own. Uh, and what makes him special, so I think what makes George special is just the fact that, it, like, he was just such an all-rounder. Um, he was just really good. It's not very much. George is, is quite a cut and dry, which I think makes it hard to kind of gush a little bit because it's like yeah he was great he just, you know the Habib super fight would have been phenomenal but of course it's not going to happen now the guy wants to come back um, but I think yeah, we can dream but for now I think he is he is one of one of the best definitely now in terms of numbers hold hard numbers I think we've got to give him the same as Anderson right 4.5 right like he's, he's he's got less I mean he wasn't as flashy as Anderson but man, he got the job done time and time again, right? Time and time again. So I think that alone gives him the 4.5. Moving on, we have a quick run through of BJ Penn and Matt Hughes. Because I noticed we are running low on time. So let's start with BJ. <laughs> BJ, blow your pen. That's really mean. I shouldn't make that joke, but I'm going to anyway. Okay, so let's run through BJ Penn real quick. So BJ Penn won the belt. Quite early on, in fact, beating Matt Serra for the belt, um, which is just funny to me for some reason. I just think it's really just, yeah, Matt Sierra beat George, and then BJ and the Prodigy Pen beat him. So, yeah. Alright, so, getting into old BJ Penn. BJ Penn, had a title, so that clears that already. Record-wise, okay. Guy went 16, 14, and 2. So in terms of the guys, he's so you know decent in terms of losses under five, which is nice. Uh, actually, wait, I read the draws as losses for a second. Guys, fourteen losses, so he has just two more wins. He has losses, so that's already. Then again, it depends on dominance, but but having almost an equal number of, of wins and losses is is a bad look, I think. Or well, not to knock the guy, I feel like I'm knocking the guy now. You know, fucking MMA is hard, man. MMA is very difficult. I couldn't do it. I'd die. 
But uh, let's look at the guys he's fought. You know, maybe he's lost to some of the greats that, that's have a peak. So, in terms of wins, of course, beat Matt Sarah for the bout. Uh, drew with Kale, you know. Um, beat Takano Rigomi. Beat Matt Hughes. Beat Rodrigo Gracie. Lost to St. Pierre. Which, you know, for I've lost to Matt Hughes. So, lost to two greats. So, he lost to really solid, you know, the best competition. Um, lost to a couple of other guys as well that were a little bit lower. Lost to George twice. Beat Sean Shrek. Sean Shrek, sorry. Joe Stevenson he beat. Beat Diego Sanchez. Lost to Frankie Edward twice. Uh, lost to Nick Diaz. Beat Matt Hughes again. Lost to Frankie Edward three times, actually. Jesus. Uh, lost to Ryan Hall, lost to Dennis Silva. Okay, so I think he has a pretty mixed bag, right? The competition he beat kind of goes up and down in terms of great and not great. Um, I think the losses... He lost some mostly high-level competition, which I think is fair. So, you know, f f I think, you know pretty decent. I think in the end it's a, it flattened out all right. Um, I think dominance, I think he was he was... Less dominant and more, which is really proficient, so he could get the job done. But I don't think in terms of dominance, he wasn't as dominant as Dilly Gazness. He didn't go on a crazy streak of wins. Yeah, he won the belt really quickly. He had a really huge upset against Matt Serra, which I think is, is good. But I think longevity-wise, in terms of his, his, his long-term dominance, wasn't to the level of a lot of other guys. Um, you know, who he beat, he beat some, some decent... Matt Serra is his main standout, I think. In terms of losses, he'd lost to... Some of the greats lost to again Matt Hughes and GSP, so already that's that's a pretty good resume. I think overall, we give him a three. I think you know it's not the worst, but it's not not great. I think at that time the division was also really competitive, really competitive, and he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. But I think there's no disrespect to BJ Penn's name. Guy's still a major talent. Guy's guy's still he's on this list, so he's already good. Um, I just think you know. Compared to the guys, I think he lacks a little bit. So we get to the the, the, the man of the hour, I guess. Uh, Matt Hughes, who has been mentioned like multiple times. So let's have a run through Matt Hughes in the UFC. Okay, so Matt Hughes. Now Matt Hughes is a two-time UFC World Awake Champion. So already good stuff, right? Now record-wise, keeping it quick because I realise that we are running so far over time. 45 wins, 9 losses. Now that is, you know, pretty solid, right? 45 wins is crazy. In fact, the highest number of wins on the list. Which is just insane, right? That guy is... That guy is not even... How old is he? Oh, he's in his... Okay, early 40s. Yeah, just not even 45 and he's just killing it. So let's look at the guy's wins. Uh, what was his dominance and who did he beat? You know, the classic questions to define if a record... Is padded or seriously great? So let's have a look. So he beat Sean Shrook, uh, Frank Trigg, BJ Penn, of course, as mentioned. He oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. In fact, he lost to BJ Penn, my mistake. I literally just said it and I've already forgotten. <laughs> Ridiculous. He beat George St. Pierre, beat Hoist Gracie, of all people, which is again crazy. Beat BJ Penn again. I know, lost to BJ Penn, then beat PJ Penn. Rematch, lost to Saint Pierre in the rematch. Uh, beat 
Matt Sarah beat Renzo Gracie, Gracie uh, lost to BJ Penn. Yeah, okay, okay, decent. I mean, beat Hoist Gracie, um, beat BJ Penn, beat Matt Sarah. You know, lost to Saint Pierre. His records, I mean, it's it's, it's you know, few and far between, I think, but generally. Pretty solid competition. Beat Hoist. He's beat two guys on this list. Lost to one. I think that alone is, is pretty good. Dominance-wise, I think the fact he's got 45 wins. It's pretty solid. Wave wins are pretty impressive. You know, most of them are, are, are pretty solid wins. You know, did not often lead to the judges. Um, uh, so I think we give him around about three. Right, right about now. Same as BJ. I think we should give him a 3.5 because he's beating more people. Brandy Couture. Uh, next guy on the list. Oh, yeah, this is going forever, man. This is going forever. God, Lord. <clears throat> okay, so Randy Couture. Let's start with his belts. So the guy's a, a six-time UFC champion, three times in heavyweight, two times in lightweight, and then was an interim interim lightweight, uh, lightweight, light heavyweight champion. Uh... So yeah, and also he won the UFC 13 heavyweight tournament, so pretty good for that guy, I reckon. In terms of stats, get the numbers up, he has a professional record of 19 wins, 11 losses. Now that, you know, pretty good. Um, obviously over the five, so let's, let's look at who he beat in his dominance. Now, there is a nice list. So, guy beat Maurice Smith, Vitor Belfort, um, Kevin Randleman, Pedro Rizzo, twice. Uh, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, Vitor Belfort again, uh, Tim Sylvia, Gabriel Gonzaga, Brandon Vera, Mark Coleman, James Tony. Pretty good, pretty good list, weather, I reckon. In terms of dominance, a lot of UDs, uh, a lot of KOs, so, you know, good stuff, Randy, good stuff. Also, the guy was older, which is, is crazy to me, right? The guy was older when he started, and he, you know, it's just. Incredible, so I think that also adds to his dominance. Uh, some of his notable losses came from Josh Barnett, Vitor Belfort, Chuck Liddell twice, Brock Lesnar, who took the belt off him, and Leota Mishida in 2011, which I believe was his last fight. So I think both his win and losses, again, pretty high level of competition from Couture, especially as he got older, weirdly. Um, I think, yeah, you know, in terms of what made him. He beat, he beat some really good guys, and when he did win, he was quite dominant. Um, and what makes him special, which I think I really don't think I've touched on uh, for a couple guys. Randy, I think, because of his age, because of he was older, uh, I think that really added to the, the amazement of his ability and the fact that he was able to maintain such a high level of, of, of combat for so long. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's what makes Randy special for me. I think for that, I think we give him a 3.5. Uh, on that basis, you know, yeah, I give him a three point five on that basis because I think he kind of lost a bit of steam because age eventually caught up with him, um, which isn't really his fault, but it is what it is. Next up is Frank Mir. Okay, so Frank Mir was a two-time UFC heavyweight champion, holding a professional record of eighteen wins, eleven losses. Now, I think that passes our first couple of criteria. Um, I think again. I'm honestly thinking of, of waiving the five loss rule at this point because I think it's just, yeah, it's not as, especially these guys are during the 2000s, it's not as common as as it is 
later on and a little bit before, but I think, you know, I don't want to keep wavering it and then bringing it into into full steam later. Um, so we'll see. But in terms of its dominance over his 18 wins, uh, especially he's a champion, holding, I believe, uh, he had like two or three, he had a decent amount. Uh, so let's look at some of his wins. Let's have, here we go. So we got Pete Williams, David Abbott, Wes Sims twice, Tim Sylvia, uh, Brock Lesnar, which he then lost in the rematch. Uh, Mirko Flippicho, of course, Mirko Krokop beat him. Roy Nelson, oh, that's great. Lost to Daniel Cormier, lost to Alistair Overeem, beat Antonia Sylvia, Todd Duffy, lost to Mark Hunt, lost to Andre Olovsky, just lost to Josh Barnett, lost to Junior Dos Santos, lost to Overeem, like I just said. Uh, lost to Lesnar the second time. Brennan Vera lost. Okay, so with with Mary seems quite like a mixed bag, almost similar to a BJ Penn. When he, in terms of when he won, he beat some really solid guys, um, and then when he lost, he lost to some some decent guys like Brock Lesnar's a good guy, uh, Cormier great. Uh, Andre Lowski's great, Mark Hunt's great, so he lost to some, you know, he lost to decent, you know, high-level competition. I think it helps soften those a little bit. Uh, and when he won, he, he won so pretty close. I mean, he brought, beat Brock Lesnar uh, the first time round. Uh, he, he beat Tim Sylvia, that's a good fight. Roy Nelson's a fun fight. In terms of his, his, um, his wins, uh, we've got, what, one, two, three, four... He's got, you know, he's got, he's, you know, he's got a decent number. I think most of his fights, he's only had one, two, three, four, five. Five of the fights went to decision, and of them, he won one. Oh fuck! One, two, two. He won two of them. So that's first fair. So I think you know we look look at who he's beat. Uh, you know how he's dominant. I think he was he was decent. He's not been like he's not like hyper dominant like Anderson was, but he's 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 dominant enough. I think uh, he's beat some pretty good guys. He also lost to some pretty good guys. Won the belt. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to give him three. I think he's a pretty mixed bag, but I think he's good enough to be on the list. Just not good enough to maybe win it. Um, and that concludes. Our 2000s segment, and moving swiftly on into the 2010s, which is around the time I got interested in MMA. So, this is going to be a good time, and these are all fighters that I know quite a bit about, so we're going to have good times for all of us lads, and ladies, and everyone in between. Okay, so let's start off the list with probably the most, probably the most controversial fighter outside of, you know, some of the crazy people that they brought into the, the, uh, the regional circuits, but uh, but we're going to talk about John Jones, um, who I think is uh, a, a difficult topic to discuss, uh, especially considering the things he said out the cage. I think a a tale of a cautionary tale. I think it's a, a tale of, of wasted potential, just not in the way you'd expect. So let's just jump into Jones. Um, John Jones is widely considered as probably the best to ever do it. And that in itself 
uh, when watching his fights and when viewing him from a purely um, MMA standpoint is great. Like it, it's pretty valuable. It's a it's a pretty like good opinion. I mean, I I personally think that he is one of the best to do it in terms of the fighting. You know, he's he's never really lost a fight. I mean, he can lost. He he got DQ'd for a stupid reason from a fight, which we'll get to. But in terms of the overall opinion, I think it's hard to. What makes what makes saying John Jones is the greatest is difficult. What makes that statement difficult for a lot of people, and I think including me, is because of John Jones's out out of ring activity. While he is, he's kind of made a, a branding of being a bad guy in the ring, or in the cage, I should say. Um, outside of the ring, it's not as, it's not as um, fun. Uh, he has been arrested three times, as far as I know. He's been involved in. A litany of scandals from basically drunk driving DUIs. Uh, he hit a pregnant woman with his car, broke her arm, and then ran. Obviously, he didn't break her arm. He broke her arm when he hit her with the car. Um, he was more recently um, he, he uh, assaulted his wife um, and hit her, uh, and you know a lot of serious things. Uh, the guys. In a nice way possible, the guy's the guy that's a violent criminal, um, and that hurts to say. Um, that is hard to say. The guy, it's hard because he he does things like this, and it's like that is disgusting and horrible, and he fucking all the shit. So like, apart from like, he done the violent stuff. He broke that woman's arm. He hit his wife. He has been on god knows how many drugs he's been he's been steroid tested more than anyone he's been he's had more positive tests than a 16 year old um that's that wasn't a funny joke but my point is john jones is a hard it's a hard story to talk about because he is so exceptionally gifted in the ring and he is so consistent in his ability like he can't he cannot train for a fight and go the distance and beat someone and that's crazy and i just want to say that before we dive into john jones as uh, a fighter i do want to make it clear that yes outside the ring he's quite a piece of shit and i think that's i think that might turn a lot of people off and i think that is important to keep in consideration um even as something as trivial and, and, and kind of dumb as, as this idea is i think I think it's important that we, we don't forget that this guy has done a lot of bad things and, and I do hope, I mean I sincerely hope that he does change his ways. And I just I just wanna make that clear. So if anyone is uncomfortable with, with the idea of, of of the things he's done, I mean and you you're welcome to skip this part. Um I'll put the Yeah, I just yeah, I just wanna make that clear. So anyway, past all that. Uh talking about John Jones as a fighter now. Uh, he's a former two-time UFC light heavyweight champion, and he basically ruled the 205 division from his debut till he left in late 2018, I believe. Oh, no, late 20, uh, mid-2020, he left. So, basically, his first title reign was brilliant, and then he it was after Daniel Cormier won. He tested uh, positive for steroids, that's the title was stripped, and then Daniel got the title, and then basically he had to come back, had to re-win the title, got an interim title, and then, and then yeah, beat Daniel for the real title and, and maintained it, and I don't think he ever really lost it. He, I, think, I think it was stripped from him again when he left. So, already, that part 
has been taken away. You know, the 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 bal- of course he has a belt. He's fucking John Jones. In terms of his record, his record stands as twenty six and one. Although a lot of people, including myself, will contest that one loss. So the loss itself uh, was to I believe Matt Hamill. Let me just verify real quick. Yes, it was to Matt Hamill. So uh, basically, what happened was. Uh, John had Maham on the ground and was throwing elbow strikes. Now he was throwing a twelve to six elbow, which is strike down. You know, from twelve to six, I got the clock. And so that's illegal in MMA, um, and it was very sort of weird. But basically, the ref pushed him off. I believe it was Steve Mazzagati pushed uh, Jones off and disqualified him, and thus gave the DQ win to Hamill. Um, which is weird, and, and, and like Hamill was fine, and it was a whole thing. Um, look it up if you're interested. There's, there's, it's a really weird story. But basically, that, that win is highly contested, and, and Jones is winning the fight. Jones didn't lose anything. So a lot of people will consider Jones as undefeated. Um, so arguably, zero losses. Now, in of his wins, Jones has beaten... He's, he's cleaned up everyone he's, everyone he's been at 205, has probably fought Jones, and they've probably got their ass kicked by John Jones. Just a few of the names to run off. Of course, Daniel Cormier fought twice. One of the best rivalries in MMA history. Fucking brilliant. Other names, let's go through them. Stephen Bonner, Ryan Bader, uh, Shogun Hua, Shogun Hua uh, Quentin Jackson, Lahito Machida, Richard Evans, Vitor Belfort, Charles Son, Alexander Gustafsson, and... Alexander Gustafsson twice. Glover Terex, I don't know how to say that name. Uh, uh, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santa, Santos, Dominic Reyes. There's just a bunch of really good names. Um, and I think that's just brilliant, really. It's great stuff. Uh, it's really it's really good stuff. He's um so I'm just checking out some of his other losses. Uh no, he's, he's all good. He's just got the one loss. He's got a no contest. So, the Daniel Cormier fights in particular, I want to highlight. So, Daniel Cormier won. I believe it went the distance, and Jones won by unanimous decision, I want to say. Where is it? Where's Daniel Cormier won? Daniel Cormier won was there, and yeah, he beat him by unanimous decision. And in the second fight, um, basically, Jones was showing again to have steroids. Uh, I believe, and it was all a no contest. So, but he did he did knock him out. So you know, take it as you will. Um, yeah, in terms of the people he's beaten, he's beaten he's beaten all the guys. He's beaten basically the best of two hundred five, um, at least at that time. And uh, Alexander Gustafsson's a great fight, brilliant fight. Gustafsson was probably Jones's hardest test, and he still beat him. Um, Rampage Jackson, the only man that ever scared. Oh, not Rampage Jackson, Richard Evans. The only person who ever scared John Jones, which is crazy and cool, um, and yeah, basically apart from that, yeah, he's got a, he's, he's 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 basically got the best record in UFC like at the moment and probably ever. Like he's just he cleaned out the division and he was like, nah, I'm not gonna do anything. Now he's potentially gonna come back this year, hopefully, to a heavyweight, which is a, a long way. Everyone wants to move to heavyweight ever since he like got the belt at two oh five. And uh, at the moment, the super fight is Francis Ngannou, who's the heavyweight champion. As you guys probably know, uh, you know the hardest puncher he's ever lived in. You know his four mixed martial arts, which is you know good. And you know I think Jones 
I think for me, uh, I think if Jones goes to heavyweight, there are a couple fights that need to happen that would, I think, would absolutely solidify his place as the greatest. Um, obviously, Ngarni is the big super fight, but I think Miocic uh, fighting Stipe would be would be seriously a, a good test. Stipe is probably the best heavyweight currently. And I think Stipe versus Jones would be a real test. Um, I think I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it would be a test. And I think Jones would, would absolutely run him through, as he would run through everyone in the heavyweight, because Jones is just unstoppable. Um, but yeah, so hopefully he comes to heavyweight, and hopefully we can, we can talk about him in a year and be like, oh my god, Jones came and he and he just dominated heavyweight because he dominates everything. And yeah, so Jones is Jones is pretty cut and dry, you know. Fought the best, beat the best. Um, you know, he has God knows how many controversies around him and, you know, there's the quote from a few years back when he when he was asked if he was a good guy, uh, being bad or a bad guy, pretend trying to be good and, and the truth is and he admits he's he's a bad guy and, you know, he tries to be good. Um Granted, that doesn't work very often. I think there are a couple moments of genuine goodness out of John. I think his little post-fight speech after Daniel Cormier 2 was really nice. Um, I think he's done. I think I think I do believe that he's trying to be good, and I think that's. I think hopefully he gets that, and I think that would help clean up a little bit of his tainted legacy. And yeah, so to give Jones a rating, it's it's pretty obvious, right? You're giving Jones you're giving Jones a four point five. Um, he does. He would get a five. I think the reason that knock him down, at least for me, I think the things that's had the ring does taint his legacy a little bit. I can contest with this and give him a perfect five, but I feel like for me, I feel like I have to give him a four point five. But he is, he's one of the best. Now, moving on to who a lot of people will call me casual for this, and and honestly, I don't know if I really believe this. I don't think I do, um, but I think he's important to talk about. Um, more from a business side than from a particular fighter side, but we'll, we'll get into it. So my next pick is Conor McGregor. Pausing for outrage. Uh, Conor is a complicated character. So Conor... Conor isn't as good as guys like John Jones or Anderson Silva, and I will admit that he isn't as great as them. But I think he does deserve to be in the conversation. And I think the reason for that is simply down to the fact that that guy. I mean, I know now, you know, he's a bit, you know, he's he's he's, he's not he's not won in a few years. But if you look at his Alvarez, I will always point to the the Aldo and Alvarez fights. Like those guys were top of the food chain, and Connor fucking destroyed them. And Chad Mendes, he beat, he's he's you know he beat Diaz in the second fight. Grand Diaz did seven in the first, but you know he came back and he beat him. And I think Connor. Even for a bit like, like Connor changed the game. Connor made the UFC different. He his he's cemented himself as a as a piece of that history. And I feel like it would be disrespectful to discredit him based on the fact that, you know, he's a bit of a twat and, you know, in the last four or five years he's he's gone really downhill. Um, but I think I think there is there is something to, to Connor. And I'm not saying he's the greatest. I'm not making that argument seriously. I just think that he needs to be Respected a little bit more. I think people think fanboys overestimate him, and people who don't like Connor fans uh, underestimate him. I think there is, there is, there is, there is something about him that makes him special, um, which of course I'm about to get into. So, now, when discussing Connor, of course, uh, we want to. Right. So with Connor, 
Uh, my main point for why I think he should be in this conversation is he's the first guy to ever have two titles in two different weight classes. You can't deny that. That is an incredible achievement, unlike anything. And yeah, we've had double champs since. Amanda Nunes, uh, Volkanovski might be one if he beats Islam. We've had him after. I just He's he's always going to be the first, and I think that's, that's a special thing. Now, looking at Connor's record, we're going to give a little run through. So he is 28, uh, 22 wins and 6 losses. So a little over the 5 limit, but at this point we've kind of fucking abandoned it. So the people he's beaten, and of course he has a, he has a pretty good like like record. So let's go through a few of them. Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier, Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, Nate Diaz, Eddie Alvarez, Don Cerrone. Right, the guys he's beaten, right? Lost to, he's lost to Habib, Dustin, Nate, and that's, you know, there's a, there's a few others in there. Yeah, there's a few others in there, but they're kind of the, the main ones. Um, and like, even when Connor loses, he loses to guys like Habib, who is also, it's probably one of the greatest he's ever done it. Poirier, who, well, yeah... He beat him in the first fight, and yeah, Poirier beat him in the second. But like, you know, Poirier is a pretty solid guy. He's pretty. He's a. He's a serious contender. That guy's no joke. You know, Diaz Nate is a fucking zombie of a man. That guy does not stop. Uh, Connor has such a great resume in terms of people he's got on the cage with, people he's beaten, things he's done, the money he's made. He is the UFC's little darling, right? And I think that. Speaks to me. He has credibility. He is... And he has a fucking belt over left hand, right? The guy's accuracy is undisputed. Also, guy fucking fought Floyd Mayweather. That's crazy. He went 10 rounds with the best boxer alive. It's crazy. Um, I think just that alone puts Connor up there. I think Connor has to be in that conversation. So, I've kind of just run through it a little really quickly because Connor's just so interesting to talk about but I think what makes him special is is just how big he was like looking back like 2016 2015 that guy was electrifying the trash talk the fight the way he won the fact he won all the time it was it was incredible it was the Connor movement got so many people interested in MMA it got me interested in MMA it was the change for the UFC that they needed and it has Lasting effect to this day. So for that, I think I'm going to give Connor a four. Now, who I think might actually be a serious contender for the GOAT, and that would be the, the kind of forgotten, sadly, uh, Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, the king of flyweights, who was pretty much disrespected by Dana White in the UFC his entire career, and has been nothing but like, discredited, and, like, Dana White's a piece of shit for it. Like, we know Dana White's a terrible guy. Demetrius Johnson was fucking incredible, but he just didn't, yeah, he didn't, people don't like flyweights for some reason. Uh, I think it's because of the, the size, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, Demetrius Johnson is, is seriously contender, and let's go through his wins, let's go through his shit. I mean, he's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got a beautiful resume. Now, with Mighty Mouse, uh, of course, he was the former and inaugural uh, featherweight champion in the UFC. But obviously, since leaving the UFC, he's moved to one championship where he currently uh, is their flyweight champion, uh, which he's had some incredible fights since his fights with Rod Tang were 
spectacular. Now, looking at more of his UFC-focused stuff, uh, his record is 27-3, and three, and some of his wins include <coughs> Nick Pace, Demacio Page, um, Ian McCall, Joseph Benedvedes, oh God, that's a terrible way to say that, John Dodson, uh, Chris Carrizio, uh, Henry Cejudo, Tim Elliott, uh, Wilson Reyes, Ray Borg, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, I think as someone, I mean, I particularly don't really know many flyweights. I know Cejudo, I know Johnson, I know Elliot, and that's about my knowledge. Uh, but I do know a few of them, uh, and I, I do know, really, I've seen some of, I've seen most of Mighty Mouse's fights. And the thing with Mighty Mouse is, he was just so fucking dominant. Like, he was just he was so perfect. He's almost the best way I can describe Demetri- uh, Demetrius is... He's like a mini John Jones, if he was a decent guy to do. Because the other family man, guy is, from all accounts, delightful. Nothing but good things about about Mighty Mouse up here. And I think that really does stand for something. I think he really does stand out as a guy who never he never he never waved in his beliefs. He never he never he never strayed from what he thought was right. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really, you know, it's nice. You know, the guy was nice. I know in, in MMA, the world of MMA is we all love a, a bastard. And we all love characters who are the dicks. I know Colby Covington is really entertaining. Nick Diaz, Connor, Jones. You know, the list goes fucking on and on. I think it's kind of special. It stands out that Demetrius just didn't play that game. He played his own game. He was just the best in the cage. And that was all that mattered to him. I think that's really cool. So for Demetrius... Uh, I'm going to give him a 4.5 because I think he deserves it. Also, I love how he just had an Xbox t-shirt on for most of his fights. Like, at that post fight, he's just always had an Xbox t-shirt and now he's a streamer. I think that's kind of funny. So, the, the last guy on this sort of 2010s era would be Habib Nurmagomedov, who arguably is probably one of the greatest. I mean, he's the only guy on this list besides the Germans who has a perfect undefeated streak. Going 29-0, and 0, which is insane. Of course, he was a former lightweight champion, never lost the belt. Um, and Habib is, Habib is a very interesting character. And I think he his story, and, and as, as I've heard more of his stories, I've watched interviews and stuff with him, his story's really fascinating. And he's a really nice, he seems like a really genuine guy, and he's fucking terrifying, but lovely at the same time, and it's weird. But Habibi is a really interesting story, and the story he talks about of his father and his relationship with Islam, who is the current um, lightweight champion, as, as we, I assume we all know, um, is really interesting. And I think Habibi especially, uh, for, he's, he stands out among an era of shit talkers and... Guys who were there, they were made, they were there to to sell fights, not to actually like win fights. Um, and that's not a diss on like guys like Cody Garbrandt and fucking other people whose name I can't remember. Because uh, yeah, I just I think that Habib stood out because he was different. He could barely speak English when he first died, and the fact that he even now his English is is pretty solid now. But even he's very, he's very straight to the point. He doesn't really care. Uh, and he's just there for one thing, and that's to kick the fuck out of you. Um, and that's, that's, that's really cool. And it's just, it's cool, it's cool to watch him beat the shit out of people. But 
Let's go into his record, because his record is in insanely interesting. So again, 29-0, which is crazy, right? Here's some people he's beaten. It's just, you know, there's, there's a lot. So, Rafael de Sanders, uh, Michael Johnson, uh, Pat Healy, uh, Edson Barbosa, Alequinta, Alec, Alec Conor McGregor, Dustin Porio, Dustin Porio, Dustin Poirier, <laughs> Dustin Cheerio, uh, Justin Gaethje. He's beaten the best of the best at lightweight. He is clean. He cleaned that division out, then he walked away. And now he trains... Islam Makachev, who is basically just as good as Habib, but about fucking five years younger. And that's crazy. Like, he's gone from the best fighter in the division, possibly ever, to being the best coach ever. Like, having him in your corner must be fucking incredible. He also, Habib coaches Bilal Muhammad as well. But Habib is just, he's just something else. Like, he was undefeated, but he never... No, he never. It never seemed to get to his head, really. Um, and that's just, just great. He's a great guy, and I think, you know, he's beaten. He's beaten. He's beaten the best of the best. He's ne he's been tested, and he's never really. He's never faded. He's never lost. He's proven himself over and over again, and I think that deserves to give him. Oh, fuck! I don't think I can't do this. I think I'm gonna give him a. Ooh, I think I want to give him a perfect five. But I feel like that's a very I don't know. You know, I I think I'll give him a four point five only because I think some of his earlier fights were I don't know because he uh, yeah he didn't fight the best Connor, which phase he fought Connor, which is itself is great. He didn't fight, but he didn't fight the best Connor, which doesn't take anything his his win. Like he would, I think he would beat the best Connor anyway. But I just think yeah, there are, there are certain things I think with him. I don't know. I think there's, I, I, yeah, there's, I, I, I can't even, I can't knock a beep. He's just, he's just great. He's just great. So he gets a 4.5, um, possibly even a perfect 5. Um, I guess we'll see in a bit. Anyway, moving on to the 2020s and potential future greats that could, that could spring from some guys who are up and coming. I say up and coming. They're all fucking champions and former champions, but... These are guys who at the moment are dominating the scene and who I think in the next three or four years are probably going to be seen in the same category of, of the guys I talked about or, or last hour and a half, you know. I'll start with that again. Habib's protege, Habib's closest friend, uh, the 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 guy who Habib's father picked as his favourite student. It is Islam Makashev. So the thing with Islam Makashev, of course he recently became a lightweight champion uh, when he beat Charles Oliveira. Um, but in terms of his record, it's already pretty solid beforehand. Um, so he has a current record of 23 wins and one loss. The one loss coming from uh, Ad Adriano, Adriano Martins, who beat him in the first round by TKO. And I think uh, what I've, from what I've seen of it is Islam gets a bit too cocky and, and basically pays the price for it. He seems to have learnt from them as he's currently on a, a pretty decent fight and win streak. His 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 resume, um, since he's still kind of up and coming, his resume is not particularly like sound, and it's not super stacked yet. But I think that that's that's part of 
he's recently become champion. I think now he's going to start fighting top guys constantly. We're going to start getting bigger and bigger fights. Like Volkanovski, for example, is his next fight. That's huge. So I think it's, it's a case of just, yeah, give him a couple more years and then his his resume will be as stacked, if not more so than Habib's. Um, but some other guys he's beaten prior, beat Dan, beat Dan Hooker, beat Charles Oliveira, of course, beat Bobby Green, beat uh, Davi Ramos, beat Nick Lentz, you know, Chris Wade. There's, there's a few good names on there. And, um, yeah, in terms of in terms of him being the greatest and in terms of his, like, you know, makes him special he's essentially just like a younger Habib um, and I think that is really great I think that the fact that he's got Habib with him makes like it's like two Habibs uh, and that's a very difficult thing to fight and he's just he's so freakishly strong and he's just yeah he's, he's he seems virtually unstoppable really and I'm excited to see where that goes really so I think right now I think he's he's a four um, maybe 3.5, but I think give him a couple of years, he could easily match Habib, if not potentially even beat him, uh, depending on how long he is. I think he'll go for a lot longer than Habib did. Um, so we'll see. So for now, I'm going to give Islam a 3.5. Moving on next to Volkanovski, Islam's upcoming opponent, who himself is, is on the track for greatness, I think. Uh, and, you know, he's the featherweight champion currently. He beat Max Holloway twice, I believe. Um, he's fought, again, he's cleaned out the featherweight division and now he's looking to come to lightweight and clean that division out too. And I think that's, that's something that I like about the current era of UFC is that it seems at the moment that we are getting the super fights we never used to get. Those big fights between these two, the two top of the game, the two top fighters are actually fighting each other, which I think is really exciting. And I think it's going to be really good. And I cannot wait to watch that fight. Um, and yeah, let's, let's jump into Volkanovski's record a little bit then. So yeah, Volk uh, stands with a record of 25 wins to one loss. Of course, that may change, uh, or definitely change from one way or the other on February 11th when he faces Makachev. Now, Volkanovski um, is, has got a pretty good record so far, I think because he comes from the, the featherweight division, where it's sort of a little less stacked, so there's the better fighters get closer and closer. So he's beating guys like Shane Young, Jeremy Kennedy, Darren Elkins, Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, three fucking times. Brian Ortega, Chan Sung Jung. There's, there's like, there's, there's a lot. Volkanovski is building that resume a lot faster than Makachev. I think just because of the way the lightweight division works compared to the featherweight division, there's just high, there's easier ways for him to get those bigger fights than Makachev has had. But Makachev, now that he's champ, will get those. So it's a matter of time. But as it stands, you know, it's it's pretty fucking scary. He's got he's got a good record. He's um his only loss comes from. Let me have a look. It doesn't need to have it in my notes. He lost. Ah, he lost. Uh. Yeah, he only ever lost one fight. Um. Uh, to Corey Nelson. So there's that. Um, I'm not sure. I think he got, yeah, he got knocked out. Um, so you know what? You know, fair enough. It is what it is. People get knocked out sometimes, but he's bounced back. He's, he's made a fucking huge show of it. And yeah, so potentially he's he's hoping to go for double champ. So we'll see. But yeah, I think I think right now, I think he's the same as Islam. I think at the moment he's, 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 he's there's, there's potential. 
he's really built himself up and I think the next couple of years you will see a real rise of these two guys and they will both become I might be doing this conversation again in a year two years and, and saying these guys are number one so for now but they stay at 3.5 because I think that they've still got a couple of years left before they re-signify that but they are both well on the way to becoming the next the next greatest and uh, could potentially be the GOATs of all time uh, if they have enough if they keep going the way they're going they're going to be fucking brilliant so yeah now lastly for the 2020s so we're going to talk about um, Kamar Usman who of course recently lost uh, to Leon Edwards which proves obviously Usman had taken it off had taken the belt the welterweight belt off Tyron Woodley and has and had a pretty dominant run with it um, beating obviously beating Kobe twice beating Burns beating Masvidal with that beautiful fucking knockout um, this was beating him the first time beating Edwards before He's been he's been a really hot streak, and I think also with a knockout loss to Leon, I think it's kind of hit Usman with a bit of a roadblock. Um, but I think Usman, from the way he came and where he's now, I think Usman really has a shot, and I think Usman definitely could be the goat. Um, I think it's a case of seeing how he bounces back. I think depending on how he bounces back from the Leon loss, if he comes back and he's the same, or he comes back and he's stronger, I think it is. Yeah, no one's touching him. Um, but I guess that's the case. The same with the other two guys. Like, I mean, he's got a better resume than, than both of them, I think. He's cleaned the welterweight division. And then, obviously, you know, uh, Leon happened. But I think right now, there is a really solid uh, case here that he could be the greatest um, currently. He's currently active. I think it's a case of how he bounces back. So, same with Volker and Islam. I think you give him two more, one, two years three maybe if he bounces back well then I think you could definitely see him being I say even rivaling Jones he's that fucking good um, so yeah I think I'm going to give him I think I'm going to edge him over these the other two guys just because he's had a little bit longer actually I might you know what, I might just give him a 3.5 as well although I feel he's more a 4 but I'll give him a 3.5 to be fair I just think it all depends on how Usman bounces back and I think that will determine whether he is the greatest or not I'm saying if he doesn't he's still had an incredible run doesn't mean he's not Phenomenally, he's one of the best fighters in the last 10 years, if not the best. He's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. I can't stress how incredible it's like. The Mazadal knockout is one of the most fucking brutal knockouts I've ever seen. So, I want to touch up real quick before we go into the final discussion trying to pitch who I, you know, I'm going to tell you who I personally think is the greatest of all time. Even after laying all these different names, I think there is one name for me that I think stands out. I'm going to tell you who that is at the end of all. He's my pick, and I'd love to hear your guys' pick, and you know. Hit me up on Instagram uh, at the Knockout FM um, and just let me know who you think's the best. You know, we can walk the chat. Um, so yeah, yeah, just love to discuss some amazing. If you wanna give me a suggestion for the greatest, let me know. You know, yeah, whatever. You know, it's all good. Um, I want to talk about the women's go um, because I feel like the women's MMA scene is really great, and I don't think it. I think like it's weird that we don't have a, a women's go yet. Um, although obviously I think everyone thinks it, I think everyone knows Amanda Nunes um, her record's phenomenal her win over Valentina Sevchenko her win over Chris Cyborg who herself is probably on the greatest list um, I think other options are you know Ronda I think Ronda in her prime was pretty fucking solid she was the, she was, she was the reason women's MMA was huge she blew up in the UFC and yes she lost to Holly Urban yes she lost to Nunes and yes she lost to Misha but I think Ronda's still still great she, she like regardless of what happened to her in the end, I still think she made. She she was really great. She had a really great streak. 
I think obviously Doug Rose, Rose Nunez, uh, you know, obviously she's she's kind of in a weird spot at the moment, but I think she definitely has potential to, to take Nunez to, you know, be better than Nunez eventually. Um, Wei Zhang, current, I believe, strawweight champion. Um, she's fucking brilliant. She's actually my favourite fighter currently. She's just exciting. She's fucking insane. I reckon you could put her with any flyweight or banter at the most position. She'd probably fuck them up. And of course, Valentina Shevchenko, um, the bullet, probably second best to Nunez, obviously only being beaten by Nunez as far as I know. Um, again, I could be wrong. But yeah, that's that's just kind of a quick run through of the women's division. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking great. Uh, if you don't watch women's MMA, uh, you're an idiot. There are some fucking phenomenal fights. But it's a pretty, it's a, I think it's a much easier question, which is why it isn't as discussed, because um, the, answer's, the answer's Nunes. The answer is Amanda Nunes is the best. And she is the girl. And she's also double champ, uh, which the phenomenal, right? Yeah, she, she's she's incredible. I don't really see that changing anytime soon. So, yeah, that's my pick for women's go. And now for my, my actual opinion on, on the men's go. I think, well, I'm open to obviously hearing your guys' opinions. Um, for me personally, I think it only really belongs to one guy. And, and I, it's hard for me to say it, and I've been, I know I did a whole rant on it before, but I think John Jones is, is the greatest of all time. Uh, I think he's the greatest ever step in that cage. But I feel like with Jones, it feels feels wrong giving him that because of what he's done outside the ring. And I think he's retainted his legacy, and he's re-put a, a, a sort of muddy tinge over his, his legacy it's like oh he's amazing but he's also a prick so we can't really it's hard to award him that and I think that's something that really bothers me a little bit because it's it's he's so exceptional in the cage that it's just such a it's wasted potential in that like he was so phenomenal and he wasted it by being a complete idiot outside of outside of the cage if he just kept his shit together he could have been the number one guy and I think I think there is still a chance, which is why I'm not willing to be like he isn't, because I think there is a chance he can turn around. I think if he comes back and he really makes an effort to be better, I think there's a chance. I mean, he's not, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna lose to any guy in the top five heavyweights. No one's. I don't think any in the top five heavyweights gonna beat him. But I think if he comes back and he really he cleans up his act outside the cage, I think there is a chance we can we can officially crown him the goat. I think only one close to him is Anderson. But I think Anderson's also a little bit, um, not tainted, but I think he just kind of got a little bit lazy towards the end. Habib is another really great shot for me. I think for me, Habib is in the top three. I think it's top three. Is, it's Jones, Anderson, Habib for me. Um, but I do think Jones is number one. And um, yeah, that, that's basically, I've really explained Jones, and why I think Jones is the best. But just to summarise, yeah, that's my, as much as, as, much as it kind of annoys me, uh, Jones, I think Jones is the best. And uh, I'm excited to see Jones at heavyweight. I think Jones at heavyweight, if he beats Ngarno, if he beats Stipe, if he beats... I think Derek Lewis would be the one I don't want to see him fight. I want to see him fight Lewis, and I want to see him fight Stipe, I want to see him Ngarno. If he beats all those three, I reckon that's it. No one's going to stop him. So, uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's been this episode of The Knockout. I hope you guys have enjoyed a little longer this time. And, um, yeah, feel free to let me know. If you like the episode, if you didn't like it, if you have any opinions, if you want to tell me who you think the go is, if you want to tell me I'm a piece of shit and I'm wrong, go for it. Uh, if you like the show and you want to hear more about it and you want to see updates on episodes coming out, um, drop us a follow on Demon Podcasts uh, or follow me on Instagram at the Knockout FM. Anyways, 
Have a lovely rest of your week, guys. And remember, don't leave it to the judges. Alright, I'll see you guys soon. Every ounce of training you put in leading up to this fight will be a waste of your life.